Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone and welcome to a Pixels Mini. I thought I wouldn't uh, do a show this week. It's relatively quiet during the summer, usually in the gaming industry. But uh, a couple of things happened that I figured I would uh, record a quick solo episode before I, uh, I'm off on vacation. Uh, and I say quick, I say quick all the time when I do these uh, solo shows. I think this one is actually going to be shorter than uh, the regular episodes. But there is some interesting stuff to be discussed. Uh, and of course, one of the reasons I decided, F it, I'm going to do it anyway, uh, is the announcement of the Nintendo Switch Lite that uh, happened a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday. Uh, and uh, there are a, a few other tidbits I wanted to discuss. But uh, the main topic, of course, is the Nintendo Switch Lite, which was rumored uh, uh from you know months and months ago and uh, the rumor was Nintendo is working on two additional versions of the Switch a smaller one uh, cheaper and a uh, better one with air quotes um, that would be the the Pro of course the light is the one that was announced and they did mention before we get into that that um, the this was going to be the only hardware that is uh, coming this year, the only new hardware coming this year. So they essentially uh, are saying that if there is a uh, model to replace the current standard switch, it won't be available until minimum next year, which makes sense. So what is the Switch Lite? I guess most of you have already heard. I'll go over the characteristics relatively quickly. Um, it's, as the name suggests, a smaller, lighter version of the Nintendo Switch. And it is, to summarize, targeted at mobile gaming only. It, the big thing is that it cannot, absolutely can't, uh, connect to a TV. That's the big difference uh, with the regular standard Switch. And of course, that's where the Switch name comes from, which led to some super funny jokes by people on the internet. But uh, live with it. It's the name of the <laughs> console and the name of the system. And uh, we are all okay with that. Um, it's smaller. It's lighter. Uh, the screen is also smaller. Um, it is releasing in November. I can't remember the exact date, but uh, it's releasing in November. It's coming in three pretty terrible colors, I thought. <laughs> I didn't really like them. Um, and there's also um, Pokemon versions of the Switch, special versions of the Switch Lite, which makes a lot of sense because I think this is going to be a machine that is in significant part uh, purchased by people who want to play Pokemon. The, the latest one 
and people who already have a Switch and who want to play on their TV uh, without the kids bothering them. And so they buy that uh, new lighter Switch for their kids. I think there's going to be a lot of them that are sold like this, which solidifies kind of the idea that uh, the Switch is more than any other console, a device that households will have multiple uh, multiple units of. Um, just to finish on the details, uh, a little bit more detailed if you want to have a, a clearer idea of um, what it's like. Weight was wise, um, it's about a third lighter, roughly a third lighter than the regular switch. Uh, if we talk in, in grams, which is what civilized people do, it's 400 grams for the original one, 275 for this one. Uh, in screen size, unfortunately, we do have to revert to the imperial system because that's how screen sizes work for some reason. 6.2 inches for the original one, uh, 5.5 for the light version. So it is. it does have a smaller screen, same resolution, um, so there's not going to be, uh, unless something unexpected happens, not a significant difference in um, performance. The Joy-Cons, of course, are not detachable. Uh, there's no kickstand, and um, there is... Uh, that's it. There's, of course, no uh, dock connector availability. The uh, pad is a D-pad, the directional pad, uh, better than the one on the Switch, because, of course, you don't need to have the possibility of detaching it and using it as a full controller where the d-pad or the pad becomes the buttons um, and there's no rumble uh, you can still connect uh, additional controllers to the switch light so if you want to use the rumble or the ir tracker things like that it is possible um, i don't think that's going to be a lot of people are going to get a lot of use out of it and to get an idea of how uh, wide it is it's Roughly about the size of uh, the original Switch main unit plus one Joy-Con. So it's one Joy-Con shorter than the original uh, Switch. And that can give you an idea. It is smaller. It's still not a small console. Now, there are two things which are, I think are interesting. All of everything I've said until now was pretty obvious stuff, uh, things that everyone has been talking about, and even more things that everyone expected. Um, the two things that I think are really interesting are uh, the, so, uh, the fact that Nintendo is solidifying a move that they had made with the original Switch, which is they are uh, merging their markets for home console and uh, portable console. Now, that, that is pretty obvious because the Switch is portable and, uh, and a home console, but now they kind of have the two versions that are one you can play on your TV and one you can only play uh, moving around, uh, which is a clear, not even indication, a clear manifestation of the fact that they have uh, made those two markets and uh, those two ecosystem one. And that's important for a number of things. The main one is that they are uh, able to pull together their resources for development and 
mastering that not mastering they're putting those together and uh they're able to create one set of games that will that will feed both of their traditional uh, markets so in the past if you had you know the the wii or the wii u and the ds or 3ds if you wanted a pokemon game you needed to develop two pokemon games and I don't think that would necessarily mean you would sold twice you would sell twice as many. It, it might, you would sell more than if you only made one, but um it is I I I don't think the um development cost to sales increase would be uh, proportionate. I might be wrong there, but what's certain is that now when they develop one game, they are feeding both the portable switch light quote-unquote market and the home connected version and that means they can uh, make games that are uh, um, they, they, their attention is not divided I guess is what I'm trying to get at um, whether or not that's a good or a bad thing I think most people would agree it's it's mostly good um, there are some drawbacks I suppose the their combined um, market share or the combined uh, revenue from those is probably going to be smaller for Nintendo than uh, it, when they had, you know, it depends on which console, but when they had a home and portable console, uh, even though it's difficult to compare because some of their home consoles were duds and some of them were immensely successful. And same with the portable market, although mostly successful in that area, it was more or less successful depending on the device. But it was usually successful. Um, so that's interesting because it, it confirms, again, it's not like this is news news, but uh, it confirms that trend that Nintendo was going into, which is we're going to have one ecosystem now and it's going to be our what we dedicate ourselves to. So um, really interesting move. I think it's going to, you don't have to be, you know, Nostradamus to predict that it's going to sell really well. It's going to, as I mentioned earlier, be a um, super popular um, console to buy with Pokemon. It's going to be a console that you buy for <laughs> the little ones. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned the price, but it's 100 euros or dollars cheaper than the original Switch, around 200 bucks. You can already imagine there are going to be some promotions at some point, I don't think this year, but uh, next year, you know, a year from now, it's probably going to be 150 bucks, I suppose. And if you include, you know, promotions or added, added uh, software with the, the the console bundles, that's what they're called. And uh, that is going to be a, a complete steal. Now, which one should you get if you don't already have one? Personally, I'm guessing I'm I'm talking to people who have um, who are, you know, avid gamers who would be interested in playing on their TVs. I would still recommend the full Switch, uh, but in, if uh, unless you specifically know that you want the portable one only, um, I'm guessing that the full Switch is probably the way to go. I think the portable one is for younger audiences or people who really like someone who doesn't even have a TV, only has a computer and watches all of their stuff on computers. Um, maybe that's someone who would consider it, but I still think the full Switch is a uh, 
better option for most people or at least for more more uh, most core gamers uh, but it's a great way of dividing the the market and the fact that the uh, original switch can be connected to the tv kind of enables them to segment their market very cleverly i'm guessing it wouldn't have cost a huge amount of money to um you know enable the switch light to have the internals to connect to the tv um, maybe it would have needed to be a little bit more powerful to render in 1080p when uh, it does on the tv and stuff like that so it would have cost a little bit more maybe but not a huge amount more um you know you wouldn't have had a dock you would just you would have needed a cable etc cetera, etc cetera. but the fact that it can do it means that if you want the the real switch experience you need to shell out a little bit more money and as we know nintendo is uh, one of the few of those companies that makes money on every system they sell um i believe that is still the case for the switch and i'm guessing for the switch Lite, uh, they, they don't sell systems at a loss unlike what uh, their competitors do, at least when the machines first launch. So um, that is an interesting aspect of it. The other thing I wanted to mention was um, the fact that this, again, solidifies a trend that we, have, uh, that we are seeing coming that isn't quite here yet. Uh, the fact that the, the, the trend of playing the same games on... Uh, large screens and small screens. And that is definitely going to be the, the case with streaming. It might not happen, as I've mentioned a few times in the past, it might not happen and not for everyone in the next year or two. But within a, a few years, it's probably going to be an option. And uh, the fact that Nintendo is also going that route without streaming, but with large and small screens, it, it might sound dumb, but you need to be able to play the games on small screens as well. And that means fiddling with, uh, at the minimum, the text and sometimes the UI and maybe having baked into uh, the development process the ability to adapt to uh, the screen size you're using. And uh, that is obviously not the case at the moment because most people use relatively large screens. There might be some fiddling with the text size. But um, in, in the next few years, you, I think developers and I'm guessing middleware are going to integrate the ability to uh, adapt to those screen sizes. Uh, because of course, if you're playing a game uh, that is developed for a large TV and you you put it on a tiny phone size screen, uh, chances are there are a lot of elements that you're not going to be able to, to see or read. Um, so that is something that I think had been coming already uh, because of streaming and the idea of playing with your on your phones. But uh, now that it, it essentially puts everyone on that same um, level in that respect, and every game is going to have to contend with that uh, quote-unquote issue, or at least find a way to manage that aspect. <clears throat> mm, I am tired indeed. So, um, yeah, that's the my takeaway from the Nintendo Switch Lite announcement. It's a really exciting uh, uh, development for, for the Switch. It's really, uh, as I'm always saying it's really uh, heartwarming to see Nintendo doing so well. And uh, I hope that we see a Nintendo Switch 
Pro or Super or something next year. Um, I don't even know why I would want one, maybe so my games run better. But um, and and oh, there's one other thing. Some games, of course, are not going to be playable on the Switch Lite because they are only playable on a TV. Um, that's not as a as huge a deal as some people are saying. Um, it's it was already the case. Some games were playable portable only, and some games were playable uh, TV only. Uh, portable is of course the ones that require a touchscreen. Um, and that's not a huge deal. Uh, I don't think a Switch Pro will uh, go the route of the new Super, uh, new 3DS with some games that are playable only on that new version of the hardware. Um, I think that that was uh, a, an attempt that didn't pay out uh, for Nintendo, and they wouldn't do that. But they might uh, beef up the hardware a little bit, maybe integrate a version of the Tegra chip that is updated and that enables them to ensure better, um, smoother, uh, uh, you know, frames per second and uh, maybe even higher resolution on some games. So all of them can be rendered in 1080p, that kind of thing. Um, other than that, I would like to see a Pro that is lighter or smaller than the current one, but still has uh, the same, you know, at, at, at least the same capabilities. So, um, because the, the Switch, let's be honest, it is a little bit bulky. And if we have a Switch Lite-sized Switch Pro, which can do all the things that the current Switch can, that would be pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. I'm so dumb sometimes. Uh, all right. I think that uh, slip of the tongue will make for an excellent end to that segment. Uh, the few other things I wanted to talk about are uh, NVIDIA has announced a new uh, GeForce RTX cards, the Supers. Maybe that's why I thought about the Switch Super name. And uh, I they're better than the ones... They're essentially matching uh, or one-upping AMD with their cards. I think the issue there is that the big selling point of those RTX cards is still the um, ray tracing aspect of them. And I don't think we're there yet for ray tracing. And because there aren't enough games that, that use them and those that do are um, not developed with ray tracing uh, from the get-go, at least yet... And I think we, we're still a couple of years away from it being a, a common thing. And it will be because, of course, the two next generation consoles do have ray tracing uh, capabilities baked in. So it is coming and uh, the platforms will be similar enough in that respect that everyone or a lot of people will integrate it. Uh, but by the time it is, um, new cards will have come out and uh, they will be more capable for cheaper which is something you can always say about hardware, especially on PCs. But in this case, I think this is one example of um, a moment where it does make sense to wait because even if you do buy one, you don't really have anything to play them on yet. You're going to be searching for that one game that has it and maybe buy it just for that and try it out. And so it... it, it in this case, usually I would say waiting doesn't really make sense because there's always something else to wait for. In this case, I think it does make sense um, because these are not 
I mean, if you just want the more powerful card, then sure, go ahead and, and be happy. But I currently, I am running a 970, and honestly, it's still running pretty well. I only play 1080, um, usually 60 FPS. So I guess if you want to play uh, like a real gamer and you have a higher resolution or you want... Uh, you know, better refresh rates on your high-end monitor, then of course, they, these might be interesting. But for, for most people, I would recommend uh, waiting a little bit. Um, a couple of game previews that uh, I, I was excited about. Unexpectedly, Modern Warfare showcased a... Modern Warfare is the next version of uh, Call of Duty coming out this uh, fall. And uh, they have a new mode a uh, pvp mode which seems pretty fun it's gunfight where it's essentially 2v2 on very small maps and uh it's uh, there was a uh, a short video that showcased uh the 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 mode it's a interesting take on these aspects uh 2v2 is always i think these kinds of small numbers for um pvp is always fun because you can you have a certain mastery of your environment you grab a friend you start playing this of course if you get match made i think it's going to be as frustrating as anything else but you can um grab a friend and and go in that and rely on your skill and your skill alone so it's a kind of a happy medium between Fighting games, usually, which are really yourself and you're playing alone, it's 1v1, so you can only blame yourself. And um, your games that are team-based, like uh, MOBAs or FPSs, where you you have a whole team that you can blame um, if you are not performing. And that is, uh, uh, you know, always frustrating. So this gunfight thing, uh, of course, it's not going to make or break the game, but I think it's an interesting approach to um, a, a, a new look at PvP in uh, FPSs. The other game I wanted to mention was uh, Control, you know, the game by Remedy that is coming out towards the end of the summer, I believe, maybe end of August... I think. And uh, they put out a video of the first 13 minutes of the game, which I stopped watching after like four minutes because I was completely enthralled in, in the way they were telling their story. And I didn't want to spoil it for me, for myself, um, which is kind of dumb because I didn't see a single second of gameplay. And that's where, of course, uh, the game's what the games rely on that's what makes or breaks games it's gameplay <clears throat> but i i don't know that that made me way more interested in in control than i have ever been and i'm curious to see where it's going because of course gameplay is the most important factor but an average gameplay can be carried by a uh um well-designed atmosphere and and storytelling um and and i think that that is what those first few minutes of the game showed me so uh i'm i'm very much interested now so we'll see what happens towards the end of summer if the if the reviews are uh acceptable i might plunge where i wouldn't have a, before i saw that video um other tidbits 
the the CD Projekt Red has kind of hinted or it was hinted that uh, they had other projects based on cyberpunk um and that was uh not they they wouldn't confirm or deny what was hinted at or understood as uh them having other projects based on that ip of course cyberpunk 2077 is coming out next year and everyone's super excited about it um it could make sense that they would have other games based on that ip it, i didn't really think about it before but it it could be an interesting way of um, capitalize it, capitalizing on that uh, IP, first of all, and the way the game and its success will bring it back to the forefront. So we might see other things uh, coming out of the team or, you know, on, of not necessarily that or those because there's more than one dev team working on that on that game, but um, uh, from other teams in at the developer. And... Um, it it might even be in the same universe so that would be that would be interesting um games as a service uh that seem to never die at the forefront of them is warframe uh tenocon which is their convention their fan convention was this week last week this week maybe last week uh, or last weekend and uh, it was really interesting they're doing some interesting things with that game with uh, the empyrean uh, update in particular where they're adding essentially a crude ship that you can uh, play things in together with your team or friends and you can get out of the ship and go into uh, on, on planets and go back in the ship and do stuff support your team that is on the planet from the ship with uh, you know cannons and ballistics and stuff like that it, it looks really interesting. Uh, they are also revamping the new player experience, which is necessary, I think. That game has content, like five or six years of content, and uh, it, it needs to be a little bit more friendly. I played it for a few, a couple dozen hours, and I still felt like I didn't really understand what was happening. Um, and But it's, you know, it's a really interesting, well-made game still. And uh, I... I always want it's one of those games that i want to play more of and and dive back into with every one of those updates uh, i think i'll wait until the fall and see what they do with their revamped first player uh, you know new player experience and uh, maybe give it another try at the same time i'm back into destiny um with the latest uh season of from the annual pass which i bought last season after uh, a little bit of hesitation and i am so in love with that game i realized uh i have been playing destiny since it came out 2014 um you know more or less actively but uh it's it's there are very few games that have kept me for that long um off the top of my head it, it's of course world of warcraft and maybe if those can be considered one game, the um, Street, Fi Street Fighter and fighting game series. Uh, but even then, I don't think I played them at least like once a quarter. Um, I'm talking about the fighting games. Once a quarter for five years. Or maybe I did. I guess 
Street Fighter 2 came out in 92, and I remember still playing fighting games when I was in Japan in 2002 and, and beyond that. So it was a long time. Um, so, but yeah, Destiny has become part of the tapestry of my life, I guess, and uh, still incredible. I, I feel like I would want to uh, talk about this game more, and maybe for the expansion, I will dive into it and, and do another Destiny special at some point. Because I'm really, I really have a, uh, an emotional attachment to that game like I have with very few others. And, and the way they have worked on it and improved it and then bungled it and then improved it again uh, is, is kind of endearing. And uh, I can't wait to see what they do with the way they've been going this year. Um, because I don't think I've mentioned this quite in that way, uh, but... The way the annual pass works with Destiny 2 is that you pay for, you know, 30, 40 bucks, I can't remember, um, for the annual pass. And they don't give you like expansions with story and then missions and then something that happens at the end. They focus on the end game of what would be an expansion. And famously, the expansions for Destiny 2, you know, small expansions that they do multiple times a year, they weren't good. Um, this annual pass thing is super good because they focus on that kind of new activity that they deliver for um, that season and everything they do for that uh, content update is uh, um, is centered on that activity. And the last season, it was a new Gambit mode with an added activity. Uh, this season, it's the Menagerie, which is Gambit mode is a PvEVP element to the game. This, se this season is the Menagerie, which is essentially Raid Light. Um, it's a, a match-made version of a of easy mechanics for a raid, which are, are really fun. There are other elements I won't bore you with, but um, really compelling stuff and it gives you so much to do um which is i always say you know the only thing you do in destiny is shoot aliens in the face and that's still true so it's not like destiny has transformed into something different but they're embracing that aspect of it and giving you so many reasons and so much fun for um that aspect of the game which is the only one that matters and uh, giving you pursuits and quests to get special guns that all seem like you want them and um, it's just a brilliant way of um, thinking about games as a service and serving the core of your community which they, they can enjoy very very much so yeah i could talk about destiny for a long time i won't uh but um i'm very much into it and i suspect that during my vacation i'm gonna play a lot of it although I'm also going to try other stuff, like uh, maybe I'm going to play Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. It's possible. Not going to have a lot to do, hopefully. So um, we'll see what happens there. Um, finally, what was the final thing? Oh, uh, Shadow of Mordor, uh, Shadow of War is coming to the Xbox Game Pass in July. You should play that game. It is amazing. I love it. I, it was, I've said it on this show before, but uh, it, you might have a negative image of it on because of what happened when it's launched. It 
is a game definitely worth playing if you like those Arkham style arcade, uh, easy to get into, fun open world type games. Shadow of War in the universe of Middle Earth with actual connections to the uh, Lord of the Rings um, books, but well done enough that it stays separate. It's it's just a great game. So Shadow of War, if you have Xbox Game Pass, as I'm sure many of you do now that uh, it transformed into the ultimate, uh, give it a try if you haven't. Uh, Stranger Things is in Fortnite, showing once again that... Uh, Fortnite is a vehicle for uh, advertising stronger than many others. Um, and there are two things that I wanted to mention in related media. Cuphead is getting an animated series on Netflix. It's kind of a an obvious transition, but at the same time, I wonder what it's going to be like as a uh, an animated series, because... Is it going to be fun? Is it going to be for adults? Is it going to be... I don't know. It's probably going to be for adults. But I don't know if I want to actually watch a an animated series in the style of Cuphead. I don't know. They would need to do something kind of special for it to um, attract my attention. But we'll see. And uh, more importantly, there's a new Mortal Kombat movie, which... That is super exciting. Uh, of course, Mortal Kombat, the movie, was really bad, uh, but really good because it was so bad. And um, they're releasing, or they're in the process of making a new uh, Mortal Kombat movie, which is, again, super exciting. I can't wait to see what they do because nowadays I think they have enough understanding of what the game is and how it could translate to the big screen. I wonder if they will make it as grisly as uh, the games have become. Um, I'm very curious about this, but very excited as well. And that's going to be it for this episode of Pixels. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you will not hear from me from a few for a few weeks. Uh, we will be back with uh, Gamescom, which will be very exciting, I'm sure. And uh, until then, you can follow me on social media. Twitter is not Patrick. Facebook is not Patrick. Uh, Instagram. Go follow me on Instagram. You might uh, see some pretty cool pictures. I'm not Patrick on there as well. I hope you have a wonderful vacation if you're on vacation, uh, a wonderful summer or winter, depending on where you live. Um, and I will talk to you in a few weeks. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.